Can I introduce everyone to Rick Stewart? You can introduce us to Rick Stewart. Are we going to start or what? Yeah, well, this starting. is the cold open. We're starting. Oh, we're starting oh. right now. Uh, we are starting. This is the moment of starting. And we are going to start with, I want to introduce everybody to Rick Stewart. Could you guys just watch a single campaign ad? Sure. Yeah. Can I say something before you start? Absolutely. Phil looks way gayer than I thought he would. Like, like way gayer. Yeah. He has the earrings. Bit of a gay twang. I, yeah. I'm a bisexual man. What did you expect? You probably, probably, probably ever see this about me, but I have pierced ears too. I don't know if what? that's it. I don't know if you really? guys knew that. No, I thought <laughs> I, you were going to say I'm that, also no. bisexual. And I was like, what? Josiah. I see that, but I have- oh, no. <laughs> Josiah is like the straightest person on this podcast. Oh, that's so yeah, disappointing. It's, yeah, it's more like, yeah, my, my ear piercings are like guy that was in an emo band in his you know early 20s kind of piercing mm-hmm. not not as uh not as much like a fun gay one more like a sad one i have no piercings oh i mean i do i just barely wear them because i just find it a hassle all right i sent the ad on twitter if you guys could just watch this as a point of reference is this <laughs> is this the rick stewart yeah uh, this is the rick stewart ad for um him him talking about veteran suicide rates which oh, sounds like a downer God. But don't get me wrong, it 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 pivots about 20 seconds in, so it starts as a downer, and then it goes hard in a different direction than you would expect. Um, okay. Is this a real campaign ad? This is a real campaign ad. Okay, should I just click on it and just start watching now, or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. just go ahead. Every, everybody go three. ahead, just, just watch this guy. Yeah, three, two, one. Let's do this. What the hell, Kim? Are you trying to kill our soldiers? Kim, I know you say you support the troops, and you do. You support sending them overseas to fight and die. But how about when they come home and they're sick and they have PTSD? There's five or 6,000 of them every year committing suicide, Kim. God put medicines on this plant for us to use. It's in the Bible. Why do you think you're smarter than God, Kim? Psychedelic-assisted therapy, Kim. Remember those words. These medicines are completely natural, and they've been with us for thousands of years. Ayahuasca, psilocybin, peyote. It can save a veteran's life within three days at almost no expense. Kim, you stood up for medical freedom in Iowa, and I really appreciate that. But now you're not for our freedom to use the medical products that we do want to use. What are you waiting for? A couple more dead soldiers? Kim, our ancestors weren't stupid. They used these plants because they were safe and effective. So when are we going to get psychedelic assisted therapy in Iowa, Kim? Easy answer. The day I'm governor. I'm Rick Stewart, and I approve this message. Why do you think you're smarter than God? (laughs) (laughs) Our ancestors weren't stupid. stupid. (laughs) What is this? (laughs) So, yes, everyone, I am so happy to introduce you to Rick Stewart, the libertarian candidate for governor in Iowa. This is our boy. Introduced to me by shout out to the Rock Hard Caucus podcast. Um, I cannot thank them enough for introducing me to this guy. <laughs> he oh. is my favorite guy in the world. <laughs> so my my favorite bit in the in that entire ad is where he's like, uh, he he's like, he, this is an attack ad on Kim, but like he Kim takes Reynolds. Kim Reynolds. This is an attack ad on Kim Reynolds, but halfway through, he's like, Kim, you fought for medical freedom. I appreciate that. <laughs> and yeah, and that's wrote- in reference to vaccines. This is what's so funny is because, because like, a lot of his ads, there's like 30 to 40 minutes of me like, oh, fuck yeah, dude. You you were so right. 
I mean, this one's the craziest one I sent you guys, but there's like legalized marijuana or anti-imminent domain. And he's like, so right. And then he'll just throw in one thing like, now, Kim, I love what you did by not doing any COVID restrictions. They're like, bro, wait a second. (laughs) I like what you did by letting us all die. Yeah. Yeah. It's the the eminent domain one is awesome because he's like, hey, Kim Reynolds, I love that you didn't keep people locked in in their houses. But now with eminent domain, is going to get you locked out of your house. It's awesome. <laughs> oh, my God. Kim Reynolds fought uh, for firearm use, for, for, for liberal firearm use in the, in the state of whatever the fuck, and now she's going to come into your house and shoot you. <laughs> um, oh, my I God. Was... This is the guy you made me Photoshop into a vampire. Oh, my Did God. Did I? Yes. Yeah, yeah. You made me... <laughs> <laughs> I I, ch- I changed it, but when you guys talked me into making a Tumblr again, which I haven't used since, I initially made my profile picture this guy wearing a libertarian hat because I've loved <laughs> this guy so much. I, I mean, he's the, incredibly my fa- funny. My favorite part of that ad was the random peyote in the middle of it. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. wait, where are we going? The moment that he, the moment that he shifted to the psychedelic stuff, it the ad just went so fast. Yeah, yeah kept like, jumping from from thing to thing so quickly. It's like you were on like, psychedelics. Yeah, because exactly, the because yeah. the weed one and the evident domain one are very like odd point, but this one's my favorite because you start out you're like okay, okay, that's mental health. All right, whoa, where are we going? <laughs> <laughs> you lost me, buddy. <laughs> oh man, well that's the kind of election we had um, this uh, this recent. Now, to be clear, just I. Iowa did not vote for the libertarian guy. They no, we did not the, elect that. For the woman who ran over a protester. I'm sorry, she did not run over. She she more like pushed him <laughs> with the car. With car. He yeah. ran into her car, Josiah. <laughs> you know, is, that's actually that brings me to a, a little tangent here. It is incredible that you can just get away with murder sometimes if you do it in a car. If you do it like in a cool enough way, then everyone's no, 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 like, like, if yeah, you use fine. a car, because then like if you use a car, there are like little loopholes you can use. Oh yeah, because the car, t- the car made me do it. Right. You know, you just <laughs> you, sit, you get into your Mazda, and all of a sudden, like. The, the chair next to you, the passenger chair, like, bends over and, like, leans next to you, and it's like, <laughs> like, Josiah. You, you Josiah. The protester. I, I crave. I crave blood. You know, there, there would be a lot less vehicular murders if we just used trolleys. That's true. I think, yeah, I, but I like to imagine be, that Josiah has this Christine-esque relationship with his car, where the car is constantly tempting him to kill people. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It's always I, like you. You could make it to the sidewalk. I, I That's actually the spirit of Henry Ford possessing his truck. <laughs> the Jews, Josiah, call them. Call them. No, 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 no. Henry Ford was MSNBC ask election night room after election <laughs> night. There's paper strewn all over the floor. There's a couple people that are on the floor. Are they drunk? Are they dead? We're not really sure right now. 
someone will come with the stick to poke them, and if they if they sort of twitch, then they're drunk. They're good. If they don't, then well, we'll we'll Take handle that back. when we when we handle that. But we come upon a giant Steve Karnacki esque election night map that was incredibly expensive, and we probably had to take out several loans for that. And we're ignoring <laughs> several phone calls from many, many different collection agencies. It's it's as detailed as like a U.S. election map, but it's just of the city of Mammonburg, separate provinces. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's ostensibly just a highly detailed satellite map. Yeah, <laughs> it's this is the most gerrymandered city in the world. Mammonburg <laughs> is. It's it's proud of the it. like districts like look like like a giant like <laughs> just line spinning around. Like there's no sense to it. There's a there's a district that's in the silhouette of a dick butt that I'm pretty sure the Phil did. <laughs> well, are we all uh, candidates running for office? That would be no. Are we, we are, are all, we beleaguered we pundits. We are, we are pundits. Yes. pundits. I am your Steve Karnacki esque host, who is very very tired. I've been doing this all night. I've run <laughs> out of markers, and I'm just pointing with my hands now. My sleeves are rolled up, and I'm ready to go. I am your host, Jackal, and with That's me, right. I have a special guest, Talik. Hell yeah. Hi. Good afternoon or morning, whatever time it is with y'all. That's afternoon. It's a little bit afternoon. Good afternoon, friends. I'm, it's I'm been very a while happy. Since we've, had, since we've had another black person on the show, I've been carrying that weight for so long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And today is the day you redeem it. Today is the day that you blackify yeah. Mammonberg. That's Absolutely. right. Absolutely. We're it's slowly going to, to start facing out these these chalky crackers, and we will reclaim this land <laughs> as our ancestors intended to leak. Oh yes, we're going full oh. hotep today, y'all. That's right. Absolutely, we will rue. Yakub will rue the day that he created this spawn of Satan in his lap. Okay, I, I do like imagining like a big hotep guy who has no politics outside of just being pro-black, and so the Georgia runoff. He's like, I mean, you know, it's a good race. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah this, is a, this is this is our advancement strategy. Just yeah, it's, it's get whoever, elected to whoever, every runoff. Whoever wins, we're fine. Yeah, whoever yeah, wins. Yeah, it doesn't black really matter who wins. But in addition to our very very lovely special guests for this midterm special episode, we have our usual cadre of that's right co-hosts. We have Finch. Hello, yes, I'm Finch, the only female commentator. Uh, I decided uh, to fuck with everybody that I would not move the clocks back an hour for daylight savings time. It's making everybody very anxious. <laughs> fucking with their sense of time. They're all demanding guy, to know why they're counting the votes so late. A guy came <laughs> came around and is, start, is just hitting clocks with a hammer for some reason. Yeah. Uh, things are not good in Mammonburg, let me tell you. No. Folks. No, they're not. They're they're really not. Uh, we also have yeah. Josiah W. Sutton. Yeah, and the mayoral correspondent. I've been following the mayoral race for Mammonburg. We've got, of course, a complete 50-50% split between uh, what Mayor Girl Boss, the incumbent, as we talked about in a deleted episode, and, uh, and of course, Mecha Hitler. Now, this is a tough race. <laughs> uh, 
So on the one hand, we have a kind of annoying liberal, and on the other hand, we have the death of civilization. Uh, voters are struggling to choose between these two. We have we have a, a campaign statement from Mecca Hitler that says roughly, I am going to send all of you to a camp. Oh my god. Uh, racism is advanced. Racism it affects all people equally. It's it's gone exactly. back down to being just like that, normal that, genocidal. It, in a way, Becca Hitler's a progressive figure because he I'm wants to, to kill, kill everyone. <laughs> An equal opportunity killer. Yes, <laughs> he's a robot. He doesn't understand and every, race And half anymore. the population is like, you know what? We fuck with that. Let's vote for this guy. Yeah, you know, it's the accelerationist vote. You know, it's, it's gonna have to go to a runoff, comedy. probably. Well, it's the it's the what's the the um fucking the the joke about like an Irishman gets a gets a, a genie says I'll give you one wish but your neighbor gets double that and he says take my eye out like that's like everyone voting in Mammonburg they're like yeah. I mean as long as everyone else gets fucked over too then yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm fine <laughs> I'm down I'm down with that reactionary politics fuck everybody <laughs> and then we have our next commentator. For the night or morning excuse me, or afternoon. Excuse me, folks. On. This is yeah, your con- Phil. Philip. This is Phillip, your conservative uh, yeah. commentator. Uh, you can call me Mike. I'm the My Grillo guy. You know, I'm out <laughs> here. My Grillo, My everybody. Uh, as you can see, the conservative candidate is the only one representing true American values. Uh, he wants to kill everybody. <laughs> Equally, and that's, I think, that, well, and what's great is that in the great horrible machine of slaughter, my grillos will be used to dispose of the corpses. My grillos So what is are, a my grillo? A my grillo is a personal uh, grill that can be purchased and plugged into a wall unit and can reach temperatures of up to 400 degrees. That's a My Grillo. And this is not a parody of uh, any other sort of My Blank uh, products. Uh, Don't sue Mammonberg. This is just the My Grillo. It's my own original concept for a product that can be used in mass genocide. I thought it would be a grill and a pillow. And then that could yeah. be an, that would be an incredible torture device if you think about it. Mass like pillow somebody... asphyxiation. As pillow asphyxiation. Thank there you for go. that advice, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, folks, welcome it is to the midterms. Everybody, it is the midterms episode. Welcome yep. aboard, everybody, and we have yes, get our, our special guest to talk about uh, the insanity of American politics right here to leak. And Things are boy, crazy were right they now. mid. They yes. were really midterms. Yes. <laughs> I mean, these were this was the wildest midterm I have ever watched in my life. I remember I've been involved in politics from, from a very young age since I was about 13 years old. And I remember before be, before the big mayoral election back in Chicago where I'm from, um I watched the midterms in 2014, and there was no doubt in anybody's mind that the Republicans were going to have a good night because Obama's approval rating mm-hmm. was terrible, and Bill Clinton had come to Chicago to campaign for our governor at the time, who was in a tough race in Illinois. So we all knew yeah. it was going to be a rough night. And then 2018, we all knew the Democrats were going to win the House if they didn't win anything else. They were going to take the House and take some governors. This time, it was a total coin flip, and a lot of our punditry treated it like a Republican guaranteed win. To such an extent that on MSNBC, like Michael Steele, the former chairman of the Republican Party, says all my sources in the Republican Party are fat and happy. 
is what he said. Like, they're already planning mm-hmm. leadership elections, and they feel really good about tonight. And then it just fell apart for them. <laughs> yeah, like, like I don't, I'm not going to – I don't I don't think it's – it's. I think some people are a little quick to act like this is, like, the total victory. But I will say uh, the referendum on Trumpism seems to have voted that the American populace is actually pretty mixed on it, which is really good to find out that there's uh, – that not all of my fellow men are <laughs> wanting like the whole country to burn down. That's that's good to hear. About like forty three percent or so. Yeah, you're, you're yeah yeah. But it's not everyone. It's not a landslide of people like let's right. let's yeah destroy everything. Yeah, no, it's 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 good to see that uh, that maybe maybe the american people are not as reactionary as i thought it seems nice that uh the platform of own the libs at all costs is not working in their favor no and and you know what i think one thing i i learned from this election is i i was i will say i was doing the punditry thing i was saying that um the way that the democrats were obsessing on specifically like em- issues of democracy and like this is the most important democratic. I was I was thinking that was a bad campaign strategy, but you know what? I think I was wrong. I, I think that it proved that apparently there is a big chunk of the American population that hears about democracy, and they're like, yeah, that's our thing. So I mean, uh, I mean, I agree with that. Um, but I also think that a lot of that was also some very smart strategies that were uh, put forward by some of the candidates. Fetterman definitely. Ran a very oh, good campaign. Oh, Fetterman. Yeah. Well, do we want to dive into some specific races? Sure. You well, you, well, you, well, no one knows who I am, Josiah. All they know is oh, that yeah. you have you know what? on Talik, the podcast. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, and then let's talk about Pennsylvania. Well, my name is Talik. I am, oh, what am I? I'm a lot of things. Um, a, 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 a frequent, chronically online, black, queer christian marxist twitter person um, hell yeah also a freelance writer um i've written for a presbyterian church usa publication unbound um and we'll be and i'm also writing for another publication uh pretty uh soon here yeah so i mainly write things and tweet things uh and dm josiah and and text phil um and slide into the discord <laughs> i also major empath energy like love making friends and have and love the Mammonberg people so hell yeah i'm i'm m- most of my writing work is either theology uh obviously a lot of talk about black uh liberation theology um mm-hmm. i write a little bit about court theology as well um and i also write shorts um short stories and yeah so i'm kind of all over the place in the writing world but I'm also oh, yeah. very much involved in politics, have been from a very young age, as I mentioned earlier. Member of Chicago Democratic of America, CDSA, which had a great night on Tuesday. Great, great Hell night. Yeah. Um, Hell yeah. And yeah, so that's been mine. And, 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 I, and I sort of fuse all of these things, um, the Christian, the homosexual, the black, um, and the Marxist, kind of all in the Hell same yeah. In one big ball of chaos, and it's lovely and wonderful. Hell yeah! <laughs> Hell yeah! That's existing okay. in this specific space. There's no other way to do it, folks. 
it's it's very clear Talik is like an obvious Mammonberg guest, and it's it's a shame it has taken us this long to have him on. Well, that's obviously. because I've been bitching and moaning to Josiah. Like, yeah, I know. Like a I know. girl. Like, when are you going to have me on? I'm, I'm, I'm like, this is the only time I'll ever compare myself to our 45th president, but I'm like how Trump did the election. Like, let me back in, bitch. You know, that's what I've been. That's what I've been. I got claiming. this. Or like bitter Al Gore. That's what that that's like been my my vibe to get on the podcast. <laughs> Hell yeah! Uh, all right. Well, and and of course, I, what what what's up, Phil? To usher in the transition, you know what we all have to say. What do we have? We to have say? to say we have to say it together. What? We gotta say soon may the Fetterman come. No, we don't. Oh radical we don't have to do that. No, no we don't. We're not. Do we're, no, not. We we're not. We're not. We're not doing that. So we don't have to do that. You can. You can do that though. Uh, you know what? Here, what on me and post. Uh, that'll be our transition music right now. Go into Pennsylvania. There once was a man-child in a hoodie pushing Marxist policy, setting violent prisoners free while borders overflow. Soon may the Fetterman come to bring us radical socialism. One day when the nation is done, we'll wish we'd told him no. Soon may the Fetterman come to bring us radical socialism. One day when the nation is done, we'll wish we'd told him no. Our American century is responsible for the content of this advertising. And we're back. We're talking about Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. I, have a, I have a question gold. for all of you. Yeah. Yeah. So why does that the Fetterman, the largest among the senators, simply eat the rest of them? That's right. That's, That's right. true. Because he already he's already full after eating Dr. Oz. That's yeah. true. I'm not going to lie. Anybody who, like, I know... Who is into that song really hates Dr. Oz, which <laughs> I'm just saying from my my preservation society that I'm part of. They are all well, like it, libs. So it's amazing that Dr. Oz put out that song. Like like it's kind of like a corny meme. If it was made by a socialist, I'd find the soon may the Fetterman come thing really cringy. But yeah. I don't. But I don't because it's not made by a socialist. It's made by Oz thinking he's really getting Fetterman's ass. Yeah, it's so bad. <laughs> Best part of it. It's really bad. Uh, I mean, it's just is it is incredible to me. And I, I was talking about this with Josiah earlier. Is how Oz seemed to fail at every turn of his yeah, campaign. Yeah, exactly. Every decision he made, every single detail that came out of him uh, came out of his campaign was the wrong one, and Fetterman was able to counter it. So well, you have the puppy killing, you have the connections to Erdogan, you have the Armenian genocide denial, you yeah. have making a speech in front of Hitler's car. Uh, yeah, the, not to mention like how, all like the fake bullshit diet pills that he sold oh, yeah. as a oh, doctor. I mean, this is a man who reputation precedes him too. He, this is somebody who ran perhaps the worst Senate campaign um in the country besides dan baldick in new hampshire who ran a, who ran a equally terrible if not worse one it, it might be the worst campaign i've ever seen it was horrible <laughs> it was awful and it fetterman might... had a stroke before the primary before he dusted connor lamb uh and malcolm kenyatta who's actually a really good candidate um before he crushed in the primary he has this massive near fatal stroke 
um, and still wins the primary and still is able to meme his way into defining his opponent as like, fuck this guy. Like, this guy's not even from Pennsylvania. He's from New Jersey. Sorry, Phil. Like, he's not he's not fit to represent our state at all. Like, how do you, you define an opponent when your candidate is 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 not even on the campaign trail? That's brilliant campaigning. How how yeah how John Fetterman was able to do like carpet bagging accusations but from the left fucking incredible yeah. like that's well, awesome what I think is uh, somebody <laughs> I think Talik just said memes that stuck out to me because uh there's there's a way, there's a certain affect that the the farther left than center Democrats. You know, and you know, it dips into our weird little socialist sphere. There, there is a flavor to it that is far more appealing than mainstream stuff. And Trump's stupid cronies were able to harness that really well. You know, on the right yeah. end of the spectrum, but Fetterman was able to harness that kind of like meme earnesty on the other end of the spectrum. And I, I think that's it's a testament that. You have to use these people's own strategies against them if you're going to win. Yeah, absolutely. And like he was able to counter it so well when every anything damning came out about us, like that that puppy thing where like he tortured puppies to death during his exper- <laughs> uh, experiments. Soon as that came out, John Fetterman posted a picture of him and his dogs, like hugging his dogs and he being like, "Doctor Oz kills puppies, by the way." And then. And then the connections with Erdogan came out and like Dr. Oz's complacency or complicity in uh, denying the Armenian genocide, right? Fetterman comes out and he goes, uh, I actually support the rights of religious minorities, particularly the Greek Orthodox Church in Turkey, and they need to be recognized yeah. by the government. Yeah, yeah, countering yeah. Countering it, countering it every single time. Something Nef- Yeah, never letting his opponent get ahead of him. And that's what Democrats fucking suck at because Hillary was awful at that oh, she was Donald yeah. Trump so defined Hil- Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump defined who Hillary Clinton was to the American electorate in their own different ways Bernie was obviously way less vicious than Trump was but by the right. time the general election rolls around a couple weeks before the election people know who Hillary is they know they, they there's nothing she can do to counter it all she can say is well Donald Trump is worse than I am but she's already lost if you're getting there it's yeah, not an equal yeah, opposite when force. you're there yeah, when you're there, it's like, when you say Trump is is worse than you are, you're admitting that you're a bad candidate, and Trump was able to play off of that by being like, well, do you really want somebody who uh, freaking admits how bad they are? Like, you know, his whole shtick of, like, you know, basically saying crooked Hillary 20,000 times, and it's not really moralizing, because I don't think people believed Trump had, like, a, a really important moral character, but really, it's... The best way I could describe it is it's essentially just him. I mean, the Clinton campaign was so... That was embarrassing. That was Horrible. the most embarrassing thing I have ever awful. seen the Democrats do. Awful, awful, awful campaign from start to most, finish. As one of the most embarrassingly run campaigns in not just the history of the Democratic Party, but the history of this country. It was yeah, like the, yeah. it was the so worst... Bad. It was the worst campaign I've seen the Democrats run, and I wasn't alive when Michael Dukakis ran for president in 1988. Um, I, I, I don't know. Then, like, even then, I think that there's – I'm willing to give the Dukakis campaign more respect yeah. than Hillary. I mean, like, you have a campaign that directly went against the wishes of the American people that were was basically astroturfing, like, the results of, you know, the primaries mm-hmm. and rigging those. Mm-hmm. Putting forward yeah. – Probably the most unlikable candidate 
they could have with Hillary. Yeah, except like Michael Bloomberg. It would be like right. if like Michael Bloomberg would have been worse than Hillary. <laughs> I mean, like for all all Biden's faults, at least he has like he has some charisma, right? A charm, yeah. Yeah. Listen, I gotta like I gotta be charm. real. Yeah, I like Biden. Well, yeah, Biden's an old Irishman, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so let me tell you, let me tell you something. I okay. used to work as a waiter. Which is a which is an, an, a nigh insufferable experience, uh, especially when you live in a. My town for New Jersey is markedly conservative, which or at least more centrist to right wing. Uh, the government of my town is decidedly like very much a right wing government and has been mm-hmm. for years, and they're very big Trump fans. But they were they were right wing before it you know even was a thing. But the reason I bring it up is because just frankly, it's. <laughs> Bless you. My fiance sneezed. Anyway, uh, basically they would just, how do I put this? You know, I'd be going around serving people and a Bloomberg ad would come on and they'd say like, oh man, Bloomberg seems like an amazing candidate. And I'm like, are you fucking what joking? What are you talking me? about? Well, and yeah. these were like, you know, 50, this were they were like 50 to 60 year old men who read like mainstream that, that news. Like- but you Michael gotta, you gotta say, well, I mean, like, Phil, you gotta realize that, like, a lot of, um, you know, older voters and older Democrats, they see Bloomberg's wealth as, like, uh, a testament to his success. Yeah. Bloomberg's time as mayor in the city was fucking horrendous, unless, for some reason, you were a Republican or a... Or white in Manhattan. Uh, I, I don't if know. If you were white in well, Manhattan, there's also you something... love Michael Bloomberg, and you miss him you as mayor. You love Michael Bloomberg. Just like the white people on the north side of Chicago and the southwest side in Bridgeport miss when Daly's corrupt ass was mayor for all them goddamn years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The same... Th- uh, if you if you were if you were somebody who the politics of the Chicago and New York machine served, of course you're going to miss when they were in charge, because before an after you didn't feel like you were in charge also bought another fucking term for himself he literally changed the election rules to run for I, a third yeah. term this is I, i'm not this disagreeing is what I'm, I'm not at. disagreeing I'm, tr- I'm just telling phil the older mindset well no no no. i know that finch i'm trying to get to that you don't have to explain it to me what, what i was trying don't to I, say phil come on <laughs> no i'm nothing do i'm fucking with you go go for it what I was trying to say is that these these people essentially just don't see politics at all. They they really can't discern any sort of like kind of and especially when they're trying to dissect the politics of a politician that exists outside of their periphery. You know, they were never personally affected by Michael Bloomberg. None of them lived in New York. They're New Jersey residents. They're in proximity to him, but they're not around him nearly at all so it's it's this essentially it's this notion that like you really and i guess that's partially why people voted for trump at the time too people who thought they were more reasonable but really weren't people who were like well you know he's made a lot of money for himself and his his reputation precedes him so he must be a good candidate and i think that for dr oz that is the complete inverse. That just didn't work for him. This, like, posturing to his reputation. It just completely... And I think Republicans, by and large, are trying to do that. Posture to some sort of, like, life accomplishment or reputation. But for most of them... I mean, for some it works, but for Oz especially, it didn't. You know, this posturing to this, like, essentially long career that kind of precedes you. Yeah, well, because Oz was relying really heavily on, you know, like, the moms 
the like the like the, middle the aged moms. Yeah, the, the middle aged mambo. And didn't seem to like know how to reach anyone else. And so like um uh at uh actually had tweeted something that is like it was a pretty good read mm-hmm. on it where he mm-hmm. said Definitely my favorite moment of the 2022 uh, midterms was when the Oz campaign decided to target te- Pennsylvanian white working class voters with the message, John Fetterman doesn't always sound like a smart guy and doesn't eat vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> this shows you that the Republican Party, when you boil it down, is not like this bullshit that the liberal press likes to put out that there's this realignment happening in American politics and that the Republicans are another party of the working class is the most is the most like pronounced bullshit I have ever seen. They don't know shit about the working class. They do know and they are able to take advantage of weaknesses by national Democrats who have de- mm-hmm. who have professionalized the party, who have reached out to the lawyer, professor, doctor class of American society and ignored and, and neglected urban working class people. But if you have a candidate in a local race, in a state race, that's not a national Democrat, that isn't Nancy fucking Pelosi with her big thing of ice cream during a pandemic that was restocked in her San Francisco house. Like if you don't have a Nancy Pelosi or a Chuck Schumer, uh, you, you, you kind of fall as a Republican. Um, Notice how Tim Ryan lost in Ohio to J.D. Vance, even though it was closer than expected. Tim Ryan runs to the right on the economic issues when he ran in Ohio. Like, he's not John Fetterman. Um, And and he emulates that still, like, that, well, if you're not going to be any different than J.D. Vance on student loan debt, if you're not going to be any different than J.D. Vance on economic policy, you're criticizing President Biden from the right, then you remind me of, like, a national establishment Democratic figure who I know doesn't have my best interest at heart, so why would I vote for you? Right. It's 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 really basic. Like, you know, I, I think that what going forward, if the Democrats wanted to win, but they don't. Uh, but if they wanted to win, um, like what they would what they would start to do is I, I think leaning into the democracy thing might be good. But I think that they should lean into I know there never be democratic socialists, but but social Democrats, because like what you could do is is combine these things. You can say, like, yes, I want to protect democracy. And so you can get all the like resistance moms excited about resisting January 6th, right? Right. But then you can also get like, and democracy is imperiled by these big businesses that are oppressing or by student loan debt that's imperiling democracy. If you see these things as linked to democracy, and I know that just as a democratic socialist to me, those are all linked together very easily. And for Democrats, they're not. I think that the pocketbook issues and democracy could go hand fucking in together very easily because the fact that you can go yeah the fact that you're paying like six you know when, when gas prices are up oh we're paying six bucks at a ga- at the tank you can say that's a democracy issue too like you can do that i don't know why they don't because <laughs> I believe in democracy. They, they think that go ahead finch yeah no no no, no. I, I, <laughs> I mean to like you're the professional here but i, I want to give my hot take uh <laughs> And you could tell her she's wrong after that. I don't know. It's just the tried and true method. Because uh, they believe it's the tried and true method. They believe that we're still in like pre 9 11. You know, we can just the Clinton, 90s. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Finch. That, 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 that this is the Clinton era of politics, and that all you need 
is let's stand on our values and our values and our values and all this vague lollygagging bullshit that doesn't appeal to anybody. If you want to be pro-democracy, say I'm for workplace democracy. Like, say I want workers yeah. to, 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 to have democratic means of, of so that you're not at the whim of your boss. I'm for tenant democracy, so that you don't get evicted for anything. <laughs> I'm for health democracy, that you can actually get the health care that you need need uh on demand without having to rely on an insurance company authoritarian thing yeah. and i'm for voting democracy like the basic thing like you have to expand your definition of what democracy means to appeal to a wider audience yeah, yeah. as opposed to accepting kind of i think the neoconservative consensus which is what the 90s kind of was was that like democracy is the act of voting and like we're gonna go out and make sure abroad others are as good as we are but we kind of nailed it you know history's over we won the cold war we're the good guys and the thing but the thing is the fucking i was gonna say the fucking clinton thing it only barely worked even during clinton like part of the reason that there is kind of a there was kind of a working class moving to the right for a while was in part because if clinton represents the ref the left and with like nafta he's just like taking away all these like fucking blue collar vote like blue collar jobs everywhere yeah of course they're gonna fucking go right like the worst decision that the democrats had <laughs> the worst decision that the Democratic Party has ever made was moving away from the New Deal, mm-hmm. New Deal mm-hmm. policies that had defined them stuff. and made yeah. them popular. This is why people liked them. Like, yeah, there was people at least like a way that they could use that to define themselves as we are not them. We are not the yes. Republican Party, especially the Republican Party that had evolved in the post civil rights United States. That through the Southern strategy had shifted through that direction. I like the loss to Reagan was embarrassing, but Reagan was like a once in a lifetime thing for the Republican Party at that time. Do you think yeah. the fucking uh, that Bush was going to be able to carry that? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, no. And even in '96, uh, wait, no, wait, Finch wanted to go. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Finch. Well, it's just what astounds me is the Democrats refusal to change right but you are seeing the shift in strategy from the republicans from the worst uh i i i'm gonna give a shout out to actually two connecticut republicans right now uh republican candidates uh that just lost but they are employed they employed the same tactic here all right uh first uh bob stefanowski former connecticut uh governor uh candidate for governor uh fuck you fuck you you're going to hell um (laughs) i wish that your defeat that night was uh, even more humiliating than it was. You ran against the guy who legalized weed in Connecticut on a platform that we needed to put more money into policing Uh, with (laughs) racist crime statistics. You are going to hell. Also, Jamie Stevenson, pushing fentanyl propaganda (laughs) to become the Connecticut representative of District 4. I guess Johanna Hayes? Yeah. You deserve to oh be in God. the furnace for that. Um, yeah. But Literally. what I'm saying... <laughs> no, <go ahead>. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just finish. Um, yeah, go ahead. And even in these solidly blue states, you're seeing Republicans change their <sighs> tactic to the absolute, you know, bat shittery that, you know, you're seeing in places like Ohio and stuff. You're seeing fentanyl poisoning. You're seeing crime is going up. We have to support the police. Look at what they're doing to the police, you know? Oh my gosh, yeah. thank you, Finch. That's a perfect segue to Illinois, where I am from. You know what? 
you know what? Let's let's say let's do Midwest. Could we do Illinois and Iowa, like Iowa, right after that, and then move to uh, Georgia and Ohio? Ohio? Yes, because uh, Iowa had the same problem. We It's something that's exploded on social media. Accusations that Republican Senate candidate Mehmet Oz abused animals, including puppies. And we had our slogan. It's on every one of those signs right now. Armenian National Committee of America, an Armenian lobbying group in the U.S., welcomed Oz's defeat, saying in a statement that the ANCA, along with Greek, Jewish, Kurdish, and Assyrian groups, ran a grassroots campaign calling attention to Oz's close ties with Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan and his refusal to recognize the Armenian genocide. Let's do. Let's let's talk about the Midwest. Fly into the Midwest, folks. All right. You hop in your planes. Are we cueing any music or no? Uh, yeah, there'll be some music, but we're now we're we're arriving. This is coming back in. We're we're flying in the planes, and we're landing in the Great Plains. That's right. Uh, we're we're landing in Chicago to talk about <laughs> Illinois. Talik, take it away. <laughs> yeah. So lifelong Chicagoan. Uh, grew up in grew up in the city, northwest side of the. Uh, Southwest side of the city uh, in Lawndale, and then moved to the far west side, or northwest side, I guess we'll call it now, the northwest side of the city in the Austin neighborhood. And then when I was 16, we moved to the suburbs, and I commuted from the suburbs to Chicago every day for high school for that last little two years until COVID happened, and now we are peacefully suburban. But I'm in Chicago all the time. It means a lot to me. It's my home. Um, That's where I feel most like, okay, these are the people. These are the people that get it, you know? Okay, so a couple misconceptions about the state of Illinois at large is that Illinois is this, like, progressive bastion of, like, leftist, like, left-wing democratic politics. Eh, Completely wrong. Most of our governors have been Republican. Up until very, very recently, the last 20 years, we were electing Republican governors a lot. The longest-serving governor in Illinois remains, to this day, Republican Big Jim Thompson, who governed the state from, I think, the late 70s to to the early 90s. Um... So he was governor for a very long time, um, and we had Republicans after him. We had Governor Ryan, who I believe is in jail now, uh, and Jim Edgar, who was not. Um, and then we had <laughs> Rod. It may be. Well, we don't know about him. May, and then we had Rod Blagojevich, who was our first Democratic governor in like 30 years or something like that. It was insane. And then he was governor for six years before he was impeached and removed um, for being a corrupt crook and for recording himself kind of like Nixon. He's also a reactionary right winger now, so he doesn't really count as a Democrat either. Um, and then we had Governor Pat Quinn, who has the personality of oatmeal. Um, who was governor <laughs> and then almost lost to a Republican, Dan Brady. Now, here's the thing about their Illinois GOP. You would assume that because the state almost always goes Democratic in presidential elections post-1992, that you would think, you would think and assume that the party's more moderate, that they're more center-right. No, no, no. The Illinois GOP is funded by major evangelical mega donors. They are a Christian yeah. fascist Republican Party, just like the national GOP is. There is no difference between the Illinois Democratic Party and like the Georgia 
uh, uh, excuse me, Illinois Republican Party and the Georgia Republican Party. They are just as right wing and just as willing to employ racist tactics. Um, And if you need any proof of that, let's you need any proof of that. Let's talk about two things. Pat Quinn almost loses to Dan Brady. Dan Brady, insane right winger, like wanted to ban abortion, like like, you know, lower taxes, more freedom, conservative. You know, he loses by by, by like half a point to Pat Quinn in 2010 during that Tea Party wave. Half a point. You know, we almost had radical right wing Dan Brady. Um, Twenty fourteen comes around. Pat Quinn run, runs again for governor for reelection, um, and he loses to Bruce Rauner, who runs as who runs as a moderate. Okay, so that's important to note that he runs as a moderate. He's a crowded primary. He emerges as the moderate because he's the most electable Republican. So he, he campaigns as on, on the economy. He's libertarian. Like he's going to cut property taxes, he's going to slash public spending, he's going to do right to work, so crush the unions in Illinois, um, mm-hmm. and and but on social issues, you know he's pro-choice, um, he's pro, he's not going to touch gay marriage, he's not going to repeal, you know he he even I think promised not to repeal Medicaid expansion uh, after the Quinn campaign, who ran a terrible campaign that year, but they attacked him on that. He gets into office in 2015 and is shit. Uh, has to be the worst governor in Illinois history. I think he's actually worse than the one who's in jail, uh, the one who just got out of jail. Uh, Rauner comes in and severely <laughs> underestimates the power of the institutional Democratic Party. Not Democratic Party politics in Illinois, but the institutional party itself and how it functions, because he goes to the General Assembly with a two-thirds Democratic majority and tries to make Illinois a right-to-work state. He called it the turnaround agenda. So he mm-hmm. tries to cut education by billions of dollars and cuts it by like 50%, something like that, like like huge cuts to like the University of Illinois, like major cuts to child care. And then we had deadlock because Democrats refused to pass this budget that's going to have massive, massive cuts to all these social programs. So a lot of these programs don't get funded. They go years and years, no money, none. Uh, so he's deeply unpopular. He also refuses to back Donald Trump in 2016. He's deeply unpopular. Uh, and until the last minute, decides not to back Trump until like the week before Election Day where he was spotted at a rally. There's a poor ratings in the toilet. In 2018, he runs against J.B. Pritzker, the current governor, uh, fellow big weird guy. Um, and, shout out. And, and, shout, yeah, out. shout out to Governor Pritzker. And, Solidarity. And he gets his ass handed to him. Now, before then, it's important to note, Jeannie Ives, who ran against Sean Cassidy in 2020, ran for governor against Rauner in the Republican primary. She lost by two points. Two points in a primary against an incumbent governor. So the Illinois GOP was not doing that. We're doing a moderate thing ever. They were going to go full on lurch right winger. They ran like a third party conservative to take away votes from Rauner because they hated him that much. And now 2022 comes it's full circle, Illinois radical Republican party, like fascist Republican party. They have like a big primary. There's three major candidates, Richard Irvin, the mayor of Aurora, Darren Bailey, uh, a downstate senator who refused to wear a mask in April of 2020 at the General Assembly and actually was kicked out because he refused to do so. And is not vaccinated, like really right wing QAnon bullshit. And then you had Richard Irvin and you had a third candidate who got like a handful of votes, but he's irrelevant. Nobody talks about him. Richard Irvin <laughs> spends $100 million in that primary, almost like $100 million. He gets bankrolled by this billionaire Ken Griffith. He comes in third place. Darren Bailey crushes in that primary. He gets a majority of the vote. In a primary of like eight candidates, he gets 57% of the vote. Crushes it. Wins ev- almost every county in the state. 
And now Pritzker is like, oh, thank God. I'm running against an evangelical nut who's way out of step with Illinois, and now I can win. The Republicans in Illinois ran the most blatantly racist campaign for statewide office I have ever seen. They make up this bullshit about the purge law, about the bail reform bill that Pritzker is trying to pass, the Safety Act spread tons of misinformation in the city and outside of the city of Chicago to try to scare even black voters, like older black voters, into voting Republican. Um, despicable racism. Just blatant, like, run, the Negroes yeah, are coming yeah. if you reelect J.B. Pritzker. He's already passed major criminal justice reform legislation. He's been an excellent governor of our state. Very progressive on criminal justice. And they ran this really awful right-wing campaign, and he lost by 10 points. Um... But that just shows mm, you yeah. that this that this party is 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 fascist everywhere. There's no part of the country where it's not infected with this racist crime the, the, propaganda. The, yeah, there right. there is not like a like a, a a moderate Republican party anymore. But I will say I, I do love I do love the the it seems like Chicago at least really likes Pritzker. And I know that because like, man, I uh, when I briefly visited Chicago a couple, uh, like a month ago, right? I, I could tell I was in Chicago, like what, not just in the suburbs, but once I hit like Chicago proper, because there were Pritzker signs everywhere. I was like, God damn, I am in Pritzker country right now. There's a huge um, swath of Chicago. That, <laughs> like, we, like, well, Pritzker won Chicago. He, I think he got 70 something percent of the vote in Chicago. Um, he's very popular in Chicago. Um, downstate hates J.B. Pritzker. Um, despite yeah, the fact I, that I'm our, seeing the map right now, despite yeah. the fact that fucking hates yeah, him. yeah, <laughs> uh, that that's uh, Sangamon County. I think I'm pronouncing that right. But I mean, this is a governor who's who upgraded the credit rating of Illinois. Illinois was a perpetually dysfunctional state to govern, famously dysfunctional, corruption everywhere, like rampant fiscal mismanagement. So if you approach it from a conservative Orthodox perspective, you had no reason to vote for Darren Bailey. Pritzker upgraded the mm. credit rating of our state. Our state's up, uh, uh, credit rating has been junk status for decades, and he got it upgraded. He paid every nickel of the state's unpaid bills, and there's no deficit in the state of Illinois. He balanced every single budget that he pay, uh, that, uh, that he passed and did progressive social spending. Like, th like the, the, the way he also benefited a lot from that COVID money that he got from President Biden. So that's important to know as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... He's governed the state marvelously. Like, uh, if you want a fiscal steward, you got to go with J.B. Pritzker. That's the, 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 yeah. the only thing Darren Bailey had going for him was this was was this racist, like Chicago's a hellhole. Like he ran a campaign shitting on Chicago from start to finish. Like said Chicago was a hellhole, that it was a trash city. Ter terrible idea when the fucking majority of the electorate is in of Cook the state County. Is in Chicago, yeah. <laughs> if you take away Cook County votes. Darren Bailey would have won this, would have won the election. Not to say that nobody would have voted for Pritzker. Pritzker still benefits from suburban uh, from suburbs uh, outside of Cook County, and he benefits from those college towns in downstate where like UI where U of I Champagne or uh, Urbana Champagne is. But oh yeah, like near Peoria. Yes, and stuff. yes. Yeah, so yeah. He benefits from mm -hmm. those college town votes, but he still would have lost without Cook County. Chicago is a huge global powerhouse, an economic boon to the state. It puts yeah. a lot more money in than it takes out. And Darren Bailey ran a campaign of I hate Chicago. If you vote for Pritzker, like the Negroes in Chicago are going to take over the state. So, oh, boy. That yeah, that sounds like an amazing plan. That's yeah. a, a fantastic yeah, strategy. Brilliant. So great, yeah, huh? brilliant. <laughs> and what do you know? He loses by like 11 points. So, yeah, that was Illinois this year. Uh, 
What a, what a fucking state. Yeah. And Republicans um, lose every single competitive congressional seat. They were supposed to beat Sean Caston. They lost by 10 points. They were supposed to win, like, outer, like, way outside of Cook County in the, in the western part of Illinois. They lost that seat. They lost every single competitive House seat in this election. Illinois, uh, the Illinois Republicans did a terrible, terrible showing in the election. So, so, to yeah. think, it, are the Democrats ostensibly in control of Illinois politics for yes. this election cycle at the, yes. at the moment? They have a supermajority in the House. They gained seats in the state house. They gained seats. Good Lord. They have a record this number would, that's of seats. So that is embarrassing for the Republican Party. Good yes. Lord. Yeah. The no, it's almost as though owning a le- and doing the screechy own the live campaign dis- <laughs> didn't work out in their favor. It's almost votes. like an eternal reactionary politic is bad because it can well, only react. Well, yeah, absolutely. And but, you know, one thing that makes that does, you know, to leak is I, I think from what I'm gathering from you say what is concerning about Illinois, though, is that what it does mean is you have the most psychotic opposition party. Yes. In Illinois. Yes. That, like could really fuck some shit up still. Yes. Darren Bailey would have been a disaster for the state. It would have been round or repeated, but you would have the social yeah. conservative element. Excuse me. Illinois has a very robust evangelical side. The evangelicals in Illinois are Christian fascists, just like everywhere else in the country. Um, they do not believe in this thing we call democracy. Um, they want Chicago to mm-hmm. be its own state. Uh, they are, oh my gosh, overwhelmingly directly racist. Like they do not, like there's no like subtlety. They do not want black people in, in the state of Illinois. Um, and you see all these Reaganist dog whistles, like, oh, you're only voting for Pritzker uh, because he's give, he gave you handouts, you know. You know, these old welfare yeah. queen uh, racist stereotypes. And even that did not help them in these suburbs. I mean, Keith Pacaw, the Republican who ran in my district against Sean Caston, who's a eh, Democrat, kind of fine. Um, he lost his daughter really tragically, actually, during the election campaign. So I, I, I feel really bad for Congressman Caston going back to Washington f- f- after something that horrible. But Keith Pacaw ran against Sean Caston. Uh, he's the mayor of Orland Park. He sued J.B. Pritzker over those COVID-19 restrictions that Pritzker put in the state. Um, and tried to run a C. You see, you have a sheep for the Democrats and you have me. I'm going to be a great congressman. He lost by 10 points. He loses by 10 points mm-hmm. where his city is. You know, his city of Orland Park is in the district and he still lost that election by 10 points against Sean Caston. That's Sean Caston's biggest margin of victory. That's even bigger than what he did in 2020 against Jeannie Ives. So, so quick question to leak on, on that. Mm-hmm. Do you, why do you think that dis- even within their own pieces of, of territory, where they're like their home bases. Why do you think that so many Illinois Republicans have just fucked up so badly? Like, it, from the sounds of it, they have fumbled the bag and within their own state, within their own base so badly that they have, if anything, allowed even milquetoast standard institutional Democrats who are pretty easy to beat mm-hmm. in certain states. Mm-hmm. Despite that, They've just, it seems that they've even lost territory to that. Yeah. Why do you think yeah. that that's the case? The Republican Party in Illinois has increasingly shifted um, away from the politics of winning these suburbs, suburban moderate voters who you need to show out uh, for you in an election and increasingly play to this tiny, this shrinking group of Illinois religious fundamentalists. Um, they fear market about crime. But voters in Illinois were concerned about enshrining abortion rights into law. Like, what, are, what is the Republican General Assembly going to do about abortion? Um, 
Now, I don't want to overplay our hand here because the Illinois Republican Party has been successful uh, in certain things. They successfully used the money of a billionaire to defeat the fair tax amendment mm -hmm. um, that was on the ballot in 2020 that would have made the states shift from a flat tax system, very regressive form of taxation, to a progressive income tax. Um, and they used a billion dollars to defeat that effort. So they were successful there. But in terms of the Republican Party being able to win, now I can't really tell you how, how they fu fucked it up so badly where the Democrats picked up seats in the General Assembly. I have never seen something that bad happen before. Um, mm -hmm. But I can say that Darren Bailey at the top of the ticket did not help. Um, he is viewed as an extremist. Uh, and he is an extremist. This is somebody who's a COVID denialist, an election denialist, a big fan of Donald Trump. Donald Trump is deeply unpopular in the state of Illinois. Um, and he's, his, his brand really? is okay. toxic in the state. Uh, he got 42% of the vote, surprisingly enough, in the last election. Even but, among Republicans? Huh? Even among Illinois Republicans? No, 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 no. Trump got, no, no. Trump got the Republican support, but he got 42% of the vote statewide. So even if you took away Cook County, Trump would still have lost Illinois. Um, because because of how poorly uh, he did in other parts of the state where Republicans typically do well. Browner benefited from a rarity in Republican politics that he was able to run as a fiscal conservative, mm. a social moderate. Uh, and that's probably the lane the Illinois GOP wants to run if they don't want to scare too many suburban voters and they want to depress Cook County turnout. Bailey in inspired Cook County turnout because all these progressive organizations are like, if you don't vote for J.B. Pritzker, Darren Bailey's going to come and erase all the progress over the past and four years. And that's pretty good motivation, I might add. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you, you know what's interesting? So I, I kind of like comparing, you know, the two, these two Midwest states because I want to talk a bit about, obviously, my home state. Iowa News. Iowa News is brought to you by hit rock band Seth Colton Silver Liners. I, I think one of the major differences between Iowa and Illinois is that like Cook County, there isn't a Cook County equivalent in Iowa. So like Des Moines does not have a big population. And so if you if you take a look at like the, the maps coming out of Iowa, it is the state is entirely red except for Polk County, which is our Cook County. It's the Des Moines, you know, Des Moines County. Um, and then the I don't remember the, the county Cedar Rapids is in, but the county around that. That's basically the only blue. There are only four counties that went blue. Out of all of our state, um, it's it's the rural stuff is entirely red, um, and it, it's it's just you know, it, it, and I, I, what I've been I've been thinking about a lot is I, the like old consensus wisdom is that Iowa is a swing state. Um, that's that's just not true anymore. Like we we are a red state now, like through and through. And I could point to the uh, the governor campaign here real quick. Uh, Kim Reynolds won by fifty eight point one percent, and Deidre Jajir only only received 39.5%. Um, like 538 leading up to the election had an equal amount of chance for the Democrat and the Libertarian candidate. And the thing is, our, our Democrat party, our de Democratic candidate for uh, for governor wasn't even that bad. Like Deidre Dugier is pretty good. However, she still caved and did some of the regressive like policing stuff. But on the whole, she's like, she's pretty fine. Um, but yeah, it just, it's just the country, this, this state is a red state now through and through. Uh, I don't think a, there was a single democratic, like among like the major races anyway, like the, for the U S house, U S house was entirely red. Uh, Senate went entirely red. Um, 
if you want to talk about like a metaphor for the brokenness of like Iowan and broadly American politics, you have the Iowa Senate race that happened this this year, which was between Chuck Grassley and Michael Franken. So you have Chuck Grassley, a man who was elected into the Senate in 1980, a man who opposed Roe v. Wade when Roe v. Wade passed. <laughs> he was in politics to do that. 50 years yeah. ago. He, he has Same. been, you know. In, in Republican politics since then, and he loses or he he wins. Um, his campaign, the guy that we put out to like stick up to it, is a former uh, Navy admiral named Michael Franken, who like had a sex scandal like immediately come out, <laughs> like almost a immediately. A politician first just day rolls of the into campaign. office. And they're just like, fellas, uh, you know, the campaign's going off to a great start. And then like somewhere across town, somebody's looking down at their phone and they're just reading an article and they're like, huh, that guy shouting across town is a sex pest. Wouldn't you know? Wouldn't you know it? Yeah, that was our options. <laughs> and, you know, like Michael Franken fucking sucks. He was he was a terrible candidate. I didn't you know, he didn't really stand for anything. His attempts at progressive stuff just like it seemed to all fall flat. But on the whole, I think that I was winning, winning on a lot of racial issues and like transgender panic issues, right? Like that's the thing. And in part, you know, the fact that Des Moines isn't a big populated city and doesn't have an electoral weight to it because of that is, is a big part of why this happens. Because since the 2020 protests, and I, I think complicit in this is is local media. I think like KCCI, a, a lot of these like local news stations are very complicit in making the, the country this right. Same thing in Illinois. All the Chicago news outlets perpetuated that bullshit crime uh, bur purge law of right wing bullshit, framed every question in the debates for governor uh, about crime from the right. Never, ever, ever entertained criminal justice yeah, reform. They, ever. they in fact, it was the covered opposite. the 2020... They covered the 2020 protests so breathlessly that I think somebody who is like living in some of these like backwater kind of like counties in Iowa, they probably thought there was a civil war going on in Des Moines. Like they they they, they probably thought the, the city was burning down during the protests. And to be clear, there was some pretty intense like standoffs with the police. But like, you know, it was you know, it was getting reported as if, you know. Uh, you know, the south side of Des Moines blacks had stood up and started burning everything down. Like, that is the way people were seeing things happen, which is not how it happened. We were all very peaceful protesters uh, and got tear gassed to shit. So, right. Like, that's what happened. I was, you know, I was there like, but that's how it got framed. And it worked. And then the Democrats, pretty much all the Democrats tried to combat that by abandoning that issue and voting and being like oh i support the police pretty much every democrat can every no not pretty much every single democrat candidate ran pro police ads and so then they even lost their base who were like the people who supported the protests like you know i i was listening to like some of the iowa progressive stuff like most people didn't want to vote <laughs> you know so like and you know i don't know would they have won if they leaned into like just being a full-on defund the police party. I don't know. I knew, though, that would scare people. But then, but at least they wouldn't have then lost the protesters that they're getting, like, lumped in with anyway. Like, those people didn't vote. In Iowa, right. and, and, and there are more black people on this Zoom call. There are more black people on this podcast right now than there are in Iowa. <laughs> so how the hell was it enough of us to even do some well, shit like see, that? Well, see, that's kind of a... I don't want to say it's a full myth because it is true that we're a very white state, but we do have minority populations that just 
um, that was stood up for themselves in 2020. And it was good. It was really good to see that. Right, right. It was good but to I see, like... The point that Talik is making is that even if... Let's say that the worst nightmare of your standard white uh, white suburban conservative or rural conservative of the blacks are going to rise up and kill us. Let's say yeah. that that happens. I oh, was yeah, fine. Like that's, <laughs> you are fine. Right. I promise you, you are it, fine. If the, if the race war starts tomorrow, Iowa is not about to become the black republic of the Midwest. Like, that's not about to happen. Illinois will be. <laughs> Illinois okay. will be. We got, Fred, we got Fred Hampton in our blood. Here's, here's the thing about that slave owner mentality. Like, if the Negroes get in power, no, no. they're going to yeah, take yeah. over. You know, like that 12 years a slave. Like, have y'all seen that movie? Y'all remember the part where Sarah Paulson's character, who's a total bitch in the movie, the evil ass mistress um, who throws that thing of beer at Lupita Nyong'o during their dancing thing, which I regrettably laughed at. It's so Um, sad. That film, that that scene is so poorly edited. Anywho, um, there's a scene where she's like, what if they like slaughter us in our beds? Yeah. What if they rise up because of how cruel you're being? Like, don't be too mean to them. She tells her husband. Meanwhile, she's the evil, most evil character in the movie. Don't be too cruel to the Negroes because what if they rise up and slaughter us in our beds? That is the politics of racial animus, of white angst, and that is the politics that both political parties have played into. Uh, Clinton did that in 1992 and 1996 with that cop killer bullet bullshit about how you know if you if you you know uh, we've been tough on crime. We passed the 94 crime bill. We got the Negroes in prison, and we added 100,000 uh, police officers on the street. Um, Biden played into that politics uh, with his whole don't defund the police. It's to fund the police bullshit at the yep, last yep, yep. address. But the Republicans have gone full-on blatant. Like, Democrats are very subtly racist. Like, you're white, mainline church, coffee hour, you have a weird name, racist. Republicans go full on, like, what are you doing here? Like, what do you belong? Right. Like, well, <laughs> kind of racist. We got literally the example of the mainline kind of racist with the Democrats in Iowa, too, because I'm, I'm blanking on her name, but I've literally seen her speak. Um, and, I, you know, I went on that. I, I went on this rant on, on Twitter where I was saying that I don't believe somebody should be serving as a uh, as a priest or a pastor while they uh, while they run for I office. fought you over that. You know, like I appreciated it. you pushing back because it is true that there are a lot of good progressive black um pr- you know priests and pastors who have who have stood up and I I respect that. I do think they shouldn't be administering the sacraments while they're in office. That's just like a my anarchist I, side. I, I, think, I agree with but, I agree with that, but if, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I so there was an example of this where there was a mainline ELCA pastor uh, running as a Democratic candidate uh, for for one of the state like a state house seat. Oh no! And she leaned so hard into my brother's a cop and oh you know, god I, and you know so much of that. <laughs> I'm a pastor and I have relatives it's, who are cops and so I, I support the police. That, it's like that fuck you, would, you, man. It's amazing that she's serving a god that's going to send her relatives to hell. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be a little embarrassing when. <laughs> Well, Lutherans, listen, from my background, Lutherans try to excuse that shit with, like, two, like, Luther's two kingdoms theology, and I'm like, you don't, dude. Yeah, so did the Nazis. Yeah, Um, so did the Nazis. (laughs) So, like, it's not good. Episcopalians pull that Anglican, like, oh, all our, like, via media, no extremes. Yeah, that's, that's probably, like. Their brand of racism. There's a benefit of being a radical reformer where, yeah, no, just burn it down. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I, 
Yeah, con- yeah, congratulations, Jackal. You have outlefted our. I, I do. Yeah. I do think that that could be a good bit going forward. Is like getting Jokerified, but it's getting like Munzerified, where you get to like you get so fed up that you're just like <laughs> burn it all down. No priests. We're done. Let's just go full <laughs> Mennonite. The thing about this cop thing is that these are. Let's talk about our institutions during this election. Uh, we really saw the true colors of our political and religious institutions and how they relate to the carceral state and perpetually man- man- maintain yeah. it for 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 solely racial and class reasons. I mean, this was an election referendum on the fucking cops, yeah. and these are not police officers with like a handful of misconduct cases here and there, or 2020 was an anomaly. These are police who are perpetually racially Violence, yes. Who will prepare, who, who who are militarized? Who are trained, paid fascists? And all of our religious and political institutions propped them up in this election shamefully. Shamefully, and I think that that's what blew my mind. Like during twenty twenty with Iowa, is like you know I think when I I you know when I started going out to protests in Des Moines, I I didn't expect Iowa to be this brutal that the cops would have this amount of power because it's a tiny fucking Midwest state, like very unpopulated. And then to come out to the Capitol thinking I'm just like, oh, I'm doing my little civic duty, uh, you know, doing a protest and there's fucking like tanks. Like, how did we get this? How did we get to this point? And and I really wish that, frankly, there was more fear mongering from the left about this stuff. Like, how the fuck do they have this? How the fuck do you remember the fucking like Sonic guns that like New York yes. had? Um, yeah, we we have those. How does Demon Goddamn Iowa have? It those? is genuinely crazy right. how there is sort of a two kingdoms theory that goes on in the mind of the average conservative. Uh, let me tell you about Midwestern Catholics because they are the craziest demographic of American Catholic <laughs> there are. Um, just insane people. Uh, going to Michigan, you know. Incredibly pro-cop. Very pro-cop. Very pro-cop. My aunt's church in Michigan had a blue mass. Meanwhile, they are, you know, talking about being, you know, pro-life and the unborn and stuff. How are you gonna posture? How are you gonna have a big giant <laughs> stone dedicated to the unborn outside your church and, you know, posture about being pro-life when you're doing masses for fucking murderers. Let's talk about, let's just spell this pro-life bullshit mm. right here, right fucking now while I'm on the podcast. Mm. All right, okay? all right. Look, because they're very anti-abortion when it's being performed by a doctor, but if it's a fucking cop killing a black pregnant woman, they're pro-abortion then. All of a yep. sudden, the pro-life ethic goes right out of the window. Like, you are, the, 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 this is, the carceral state is the most blatantly anti-Christian institution in America. Anti-life. Yeah. Nothing comes and nothing comes close to how shitty the carceral state is. And nothing. And yet so it is many brutal racial class. So many of our fellow, like people within our own, Josiah and Phil from the Episcopalian side, Finch from the Catholic side, and Talik, what was your denomination again? Episcopalian. Episcopalian. Oh, so three Episcopalian. There are so fucking many people who will make excuses for it despite the fact that the system the political system which we currently live in is decidedly if you want to talk about biblical values this is decidedly an anti this is as close to the antichrist as i think that you can get mm-hmm. the yeah, antichrist almost, is not a person uh, reaching it's just, devil incarnate yeah. it's just i don't understand you know th- this rejection of like even like you know as a catholic doing the consistent life ethic that like pope francis has pushed Many times. And you don't have to agree with the consistent life ethic. I get it. I know there are people who don't. But 
that makes at least, you know, sense. You can understand theologically where that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's How coherent. are you going to say I am pro-life except for these things against these people? These things that I disagree yeah. with. These people that I do not like. Yeah, okay, I'm cool. Um, No, we have to respect, un uh, you know, we gotta protect unborn babies. These immigrants, though, fuck them. Fuck these Mexican immigrants <laughs> at the border who are getting fucking electrocuted by our Who are also fences. Catholic. Yeah, who are also or Catholic. Roman Catholic. The Global South is so Catholic. Right. It, it, it's more and, you know, Pentecostal now. I, but. I'm always haunted by, I think it was uh, Dean Detloff did a, uh, a really great article like years back that I still think about where he was talking to um, people from the Friendly Fire um organization it's like a like a pentecostal anarchist group and they were part of um uh uh occupy um not not occupy wall street when they were uh, occupying like ice when it, when that was happening and you know there was this this chunk of it where he was he was which someone was recounting getting arrested and they were talking about the rosary that they were holding getting ripped out of their hands by an ice agent and cr getting crushed by the ice agent while their head was getting smashed against a cop car. And they said, in this moment, I felt closer to Christ than ever before. And like that, that to me, that's, it's so apparent that that is what, what the natural politics of Christianity ought to be. And, you know, I, 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 I've said before, and I've talked about my kind of faith on this before. I, I had a very long, like agnostic period my real return to the faith moment was 2020 when I was in the streets getting tear gassed. Right. I, it was because I saw people dive in front of other people and getting arrested on others behalf. And I was like, that's what I fucking believe. That's, that's Christian love. Yes. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. Like... <laughs> I agree with that. I agree with that. But I think uh, David Bentley Hart is correct. Uh, I don't think American Christianity is in crisis. I think that it is a corpse. In the morgue. Dead. Yes. Dead. I'm writing a book. I don't, I don't want to do a shameless plug, but I did write a book outline that I potentially want to write about how the state of the American church is already dead. Like, there's nothing alive in it. Like, we're looking for the living. We're like St. Mary Magdalene. We're looking for the living among the dead. And no wonder we're consistently disappointed by the action of the American church. Because there are two components to this thing. That me and Phil talk about this oh. all the time is how much we... Me and Phil talk about all the time how much we detest and loathe like liberal Protestant thought, like sort of this idea that the metaphysical claims of Christianity are irrelevant or if not irrelevant, like infantilized, de facto infantilized theologically. Like you can't possibly believe this if you're if you're a Christian for the rational age or whatever bullshit. Mm -hmm. And I always said, well, who defines rational? Is it Europeans? Because it doesn't strike me as there's any difference between the racial theology of a European pro-rational enlightenment liberal mainliner and the racial theology of an evangelical racist fundamentalist. And what we see in this connection to the carceral state is that you have both sides, the liberal mainline Protestants and the, the liberal mainline Protestants, the Radtrath Catholics, um, and the fundamentalist evangelicals are all pro-cop. No matter, their rhetoric is different, but they're all pro-cop, and they all approach pro-cop theology and pro-cop politics with the same bullshit white supremacist lens. And if we're and 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 if we're talking theologically about what the metaphysical claims do in relation to our politic, what does it mean for God incarnate to come into the world, be executed by the carceral state, and literally rise from the dead? Right. Absolutely. Right. I mean, it, it means something. And like, you know, I when you talk about the rationality thing, I, I think that's that's exactly the crisis of the main line that they need to work through is that 
No, they, they really honestly need to be injected with a little postmodernism, like some critical theory. Rational, like ra- rationality is not is not a just like easy thing. And in fact, it is probably better and more radical, more left wing, more progressive to take the fucking Kierkegaardian leap of faith and say, no, I believe the resurrection happened and this has metaphysical consequences. And I, when you were saying that, I was thinking I just like had a copy of Alistair McIntyre's book sitting on my floor while you were saying this. But just the title is perfect. Whose justice, which rationality? Right. <laughs> You know, there are send me that send me that book, Josiah. It's a it's a it's a pretty damn good book. But um, yeah, Matt, I, I won't get on to McIntyre. That's a whole. <laughs> we should. I, I want to do a whole episode about McIntyre sometime. But um, yeah, yeah. I, I who's just that, like that? Uh, that broadly, there is there, there is a a point that Finch brought up was the David Bailey Hart quote that American Christianity is not you know in crisis. It's dead. It's dead in the morgue on a slab. And I saw people push back against that. And I, I can't help but think that that is coping because mm-hmm. look at the state in which this, re- our religion finds itself in. Like, look at the majority of liberal Protestants and even liberal Catholics for two. This is not just, you don't just put, you, I don't think you could just put this on rad, uh, the, the Tradcath either. I think that this is something that urban liberal Catholics have too is this pro, like the, tying themselves down to the carceral state and not just the like the carceral state with both how it acts domestically and in uh and foreign relations the tying oneself to the nation state was the biggest fucking mistake this uh, Mm -hmm. this religion has ever made i think that episcopalians are the guilty are guilty of that as hell they sing the fourth of july shit uh sing sing the national anthem in church which i which i said which i said was heresy it like is. singing any anthem to a to a country is blatant terrorism. It it's a fu- it's I, a I point agree. made in the Bible that these cut co- like these countries are not eternal. They are static. They are not going to and especially be- America founded on indigenous genocide. Like that's like worshiping Rome. That would be equivalent to like the Pauline Christians and the jo- and the Johannine Christians in the early church like singing anthems to Caesar fucking Augustus. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. And, and the real question, Jackal. And I and and you and you touched on this. Uh, did you have something else to say, or did I cut you off? Uh, something else. But go. What what were you going to ask? Real question is: Do you believe if you're a liberal mainliner who thinks that you're down with the cause, down down, you know, you 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 you're 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 in solidarity? Well, let's test your solidarity for a minute. Do you believe that there's bodily resurrection, bodily bodily redemption, bodily resistance to the carceral state, or do you not believe it? The mm-hmm. cops kill a lot of Jesuses every they damn do. day. That's you think right. they rise from yeah. the dead or not? And that's, that's the, the real question. indictment, I think, of many, many liberal Protestants is that you have to – our – I think that there is something to be said that the demythologization of Christianity, even though I I, I am I, – I, I don't think it's I, – I give more to metaphorical thinking in relation to the Bible – yeah, you're think... probably the most sympathetic to to demythologizing on the podcast here, and yet even you are like <laughs> saying, there's a however, line here. <laughs> I will tell you, I, I, will, yeah. I stand firmly on this. Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah, it, if you there don't think not, that, there... don't be a Christian. Like, no, and that's fine. don't not believe in the bodily resurrection that Jesus rose from the dead and conquered death, and then that just we don't will... Be... That in the world to come, death will die. If you don't believe that, don't stay in this religion. 
Yeah. It's not, that's not a personal indictment of your morality. That's not an indictment of you. But if you don't believe that, then that that's the fucking point. Is it ridiculous? Yes. And that's the point. It's supposed to be. We're not doing rational theory. We're doing religion. Schleiermacher, Schleiermacher said that. He's the founder of liberal Christianity. Yeah. Christianity is fundamentally a religion of paradox and contrast, right? Mm-hmm. Difference. Difference. Yes. We have a, a virgin and mother, God and man, carpenter and king. Somebody who rose from the dead, you know. That's yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, well, you Lazarus. gotta accept that, yeah. What does Lazarus's re- resurrection mean? That he literally came out of the tomb. And Mary says, Jesus, if you had only come days before, if you had yeah. only come days before, my brother would still be alive. How the hell do we not make that comparison to now with with the mass movement against the cops? That if only this justice reform shit had happened years before, maybe George Floyd would still be alive. Right. Maybe right. Trayvon would still yeah. be alive. Yeah. Yeah. So what does it mean for Lazarus to walk out of the tomb in context of our of, of in the context of state violence against black people? So please go back to uh, when I talk about this rationality, this kind of like liberal Protestant ethic. I always go back to a quote from Mark that I really like. Mark ten twenty seven. Jesus looked at them and said, "For mortals, it is impossible, but not for God. For God, for." god all things are possible and i think mm-hmm. you know that's an ethos that guides our faith i think in many ways yeah. if, if we try to like look at ourselves and we are the we are the arbiters of what is possible and what is rational then we lose our faith because what we end up with is we become the arbiters of god instead of realizing that god is so much bigger and so much Mm-hmm. more complicated and so much more powerful than we could ever be and to understand how he creates these paradoxes how he's able to to make a virgin a mother how he's able to bring his son back from the dead how he's able to do all these things we'll never know we can only grasp at it because that's the the beauty and mystery of god if god is in the world where people are abused I'm State Senator Sarah Trungarian. What then is God doing? This was my question. You may know that I'm a pastor, a mom, I'm also a sister to a police officer. Christians are called by God to plunge themselves into the world on behalf of those who are voiceless and hurt. That's why I've always voted to fund law enforcement and keep our families safe. Why do you think you're smarter than God? The latest polling, let's look at this, show Governor Pritzker ahead by a hefty margin. To fund law They were like, Chicago is the pizza capital. <laughs> Um, real quick, Phil, you said that we should probably start moving toward wrapping up. Should we just fire round, quickly address some of the other stuff that's on our list? Um, yes, I think that would be great. I, I, I am damn, I'm actually pretty damn happy that instead of just doing base punditry, we, we moved off onto this religious rant, though. I think this is pure Mammonberg right now. It's very good. Pure very Mammonberg. We'll just, we'll move on to the tribute, I think. Maybe. Oh well, yeah. let's just quickly let's quickly address like the ru- so we got the runoff going on in Georgia. We'll be following mm-hmm. that. Oh and yeah, we'll yeah, be yeah. Talk about it next week. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we got yeah Herschel Walker versus um, uh, Warnock. Warnock, um, the Reverend Raphael Warnock, yep. the student of Doctor of the late great Reverend Doctor James H. Cohn. Mm. I did not you know that. Wow, I did not know that. No, That's dope. Reverend Warnock gave the eulogy at Cohn's funeral at Riverside Church. It That's, is. Dope. It's one of the best. 
Shout out to Dr. Benjamin Van Dyne. I don't know if he listens to this podcast, but shout out to Dr. Benjamin Van Dyne who who, who told me to check out uh, Warnock's eulogy of Cone. It's one of the best eulogies I've ever heard. It was really good. I'm gonna, but yeah, Warnock was a student of Cone's. Okay, I'm going to have to check that out. I did not know that. That makes me a, like, a little more excited about Warnock. Um, Warnock's a liberationist. He is, and yeah. All, and his sermons at Ebenezer Baptist Church are liberation. He, he is a black liberation theologian there, it, against a fundamentalist Christian fascist. Like, it's literally a proxy war for Christianity in Georgia. It, it is wow. goddamn insulting that, that the race had to go to a runoff. Warnock should have had that handily. Yeah, Warnock's yeah, great. should have. <laughs> yeah. Against Herschel um, fucking Walker. Good lord. Yeah, Hers- Herschel Walker, again, a, pro, a pro-life candidate that it came out he was paying for abortions with his mistresses. Like, I mean, come on. Like, you know, this is not... That's nothing new, though, Josiah. Scott Desjardins' creepy ass I, had the same scandal in Tennessee and still got 78% of the votes. I, I just don't... I just... I get... I what get this shows is that they don't care. They don't care. They don't care. They don't, don't care. It is about owning care. the libs. Are fa- the fascists yep. do not have actual idea. Fascists have an ideology, so I want to be clear about that. I would also, they have an ethic. They just don't apply it to themselves. I would like to state well, that when I told my dad about Herschel Walker, he like made a noise I've never heard before. And said, <laughs> ah, what a Uncle Tom! <laughs> Was the um, like a like a like a uh... well, and, and, you know, <laughs> like like yeah, a disgraced I'm... like. Uh... Oh man. Well, and I, I think if 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 we are gonna attribute like there is an ideology to fascism, but I think the most elucidating thing is 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 it's a Carl Schmidt mentality. It's not a coherent like political values thing. It's more like uh fuck my enemies and and benefit my friends. That's it's the friend foe distinction. That is yeah. entirely what conservative politics is about. It's also why if you want to fracture conservative politics, you can very easily do it because it is a tepid coalition of contradictory ideas. The social conservatives with the libertarians with the nationalists, they don't actually all agree. They just have a mutual enemy. But if you really start like, you know, one thing I have hope for is if Republicans like really took power in the country, they'd start devouring each other fast and not govern effectively and i would not govern effectively exactly and i'm going to use that as a segue to quickly then do our fire round on florida and desantis because desantis is representing these fractures starting to happen because right now there is a question between there's a lot of people starting to throw their hat in as desantis is the future of the republican party and i'm hoping that his lack of charisma is going to prevent that from happening because i think desantis is more dangerous than trump He's a more institutional Trump. You know what I mean? He's yeah, a, absolutely. He, he, he's, he's a smarter competent. politician. Yes. Yeah. Um, as like, I don't agree with that. You don't, really? No. I think if you put DeSantis on a stage, he gets slaughtered. Well, that's, he would get slaughtered in a no, national that, That's what I'm talking about, charisma. Um, it's He doesn't have the that, charisma, but... <clears throat> I think that the like, point that I, Talik is making, and uh, Talik, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think that the point that you're making is that even if he had charisma, DeSantis would not do well in a national election. No, if he had charisma, he'd be way more dangerous. The fact that he does not have Trumpian charisma turns him off well, to people. And he looks okay, like a sleazy, okay. He's like but, Ted Cruz. He's a good governor of Florida. He governs the state like a fascist, yeah. effectively. So I agree with Josiah there. Yeah. Well, th- th- this is what I'm saying, though, is I'm hoping to God that his lack of charisma is what's going to cave him in. Because if he were to get into power, like, I, he, what he is is a good – Trump is a fascist. Um, DeSantis is a reactionary. It's a very subtle difference. But like what he what what like DeSantis does is he goes, okay, everyone's freaking out about abortion right now. So we're not going to hammer on that. We're going to hammer on transgender issues for a while. 
Because that's the thing yes. that people are, are more freaked out about. And then when it flips back around and people are on abortion again, then we'll try to push stuff through. That's like, it's like systematic. It's a slow erosion of a progressive consensus. And that's why I think he's a much more dangerous candidate. And I, I, I hold by that because Rod Rare thinks that he's a better representative of how to make a victory for the right in, in the country. He wrote a hilarious article, by the way, that we didn't get time to talk about. His American conservative article that came out after the midterms is straight up like just because the Republicans didn't win. He's writing about like what the underground church in Slovakia had to do to resist the Soviet Union because he thinks that's coming. Um, oh it's, my it's, God. it's awesome. It's so funny. I have always believed that Republicans, that Ben Sass, um, Ben Sass would crush the Democrats in an election. Yeah. Um, if he moves to the right, because um, he's already a right winger, like, or Tim Scott. I've always believed Tim Scott mm -hmm. would also win in a national election. That I, so I always thought Tim Scott was the future of the Republican Party because he is like he's he's way smarter than Herschel Walker, but gives the same cover for Republican right marriage to white supremacy that Herschel Walker does. And he would I don't see Tim Scott losing uh, in battleground states. I just don't. Yeah, I I think DeSantis. It's really going to be up to if DeSantis ran and he happened to win the primary. It's all about who the Democrats are running against him. I think. Because if they, if they have a chariz charismatic guy, um, they could crush DeSantis easy. If they have a really institutional like Democrat going against him, I think DeSantis could kick kick their ass. And that's it's what I'm worried gonna about. It's going to be in 2024, Josiah. It's going to be Joe Biden. It's, it's gonna, Joe Biden is running for a second term. Yeah, well, he, oh yeah, he did officially say that. There was I was on the fence of if he was going to not do it. Um, such a shitty. Well, these midterms, there's no way he doesn't run now. Yeah, yeah. Now he's such now a he's shitty, confident. shitty decision. I how the this again. I am not looking forward to 2024 with if Biden is if some someone has to primary him. I hope to God that he gets primaried. Oh, and I, I will be interested Nobody's to see. If, I will be interested if someone tries to uh, to primary Biden. But um, because if you gonna don't, do he's gonna he's fucked. I, I don't believe that Biden has the has really? a chance for a second. You think he has no chance of a general election victory against a matchup against Trump? Um. So now moving away from the politics stuff, I would, like I would to say state Finch... that uh, that my yeah. my senator Chuck Schumer, shitty shitty senator by the way, completely shitty senator. I hate that motherfucker so much. You don't like Chuck? I don't like Chuck. He got student. He lobbied for student debt. He's been moving I, to the left. I know recently, he has, but god damn it, I hate the fact that I like. That he's done things that I like because I he annoys me on a personal level. But <laughs> despite that, because you're anti-Semitic, <laughs> I yeah, hate Jack was the most anti-Semitic to... person I've ever met. Because you're a Hotep Farrakhan yeah. anti-Semitic. Yeah, no, no, that's that's true. I'm a, I am a very I'm a well-known fan of Louis Farrakhan. <laughs> he, he's a Hotep. Uh, <laughs> Farrakhan anti-Semitic. I would like to he's I would like to state that the Chuck Schumer, my senator. Uh, who, at, yes, Talik, yeah, he has been moving on the left. He has actually been encouraging Biden to move on the left of economic issues. That's good. And I, That's good. I think that that is good. I just hate that he is that his he's a part of the institutional machine of the New York Democratic Party. However, mm -hmm. uh, he won his senatorial race against a black Republican named Joe Pinion. Real name. Joe Pinion sounds like it sounds like. It sounds like a dude who like is a character who pulls opinions for like a kids His TV full show. It's Joe, Joe Pinion. Pinion the Third. There's been That's two incredible. before him. Joe <laughs> Pinion. Are All you... right. 
Has a whole chap Republican ever run for office before? Has that ever happened? That would happened? be amazing. Talik, we could, we could do so that. be so much fun we could to be the watch. First. Yes, yes they, my vote. Want to be Hotep? Let's be Hotep together, Jackal. Um, Go for Umar Johnson. <laughs> okay, before before yeah, yeah, we... Yeah, listen, you guys need to touch Teps. You know what I'm saying? You need to touch no, Teps. No, 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 Phil. We got, we got through this episode without too many Philisms, and he had to insert He had to put one to... in. Uh, <laughs> I get, if we're doing um, the speed running, uh, J.D. Vance is... Oh, J.D. Vance won, yeah. Is, he won. J.D. Vance fucked my it. pants. Yeah. Um, Iowa and, proves I, to that... be the worst state. One of Iowa's the is yeah. Iowa and Florida are pretty fucked. Um, Ohio, sorry, not not Iowa. Ohio. Oh well, we we did prove to be pretty bad though. But sure. um, you didn't like so JD moving Vance, away. Though. I I think we should move away as as fun as the the sicko punditry that we're doing is. Um, there is one last thing that Finch and Phil and Jackal all wanted to talk about that you should throw in here before we wrap up here. So take yes. it away, folks. Yes, we do. Finch, would you like to lead it or should I? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean. Jackal, you go for it. I'm like, I'm stunned about the... <laughs> so, we got some pretty awful news yesterday that Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman for, I think, aside from Josiah, who grew up, I think, in Iowa, he grew up, like, under a cow with yeah, fields of corn around him. So, there wasn't really, like, a... With evangelical it was a really evangelical cow. Yeah, it was, like, an yeah. evangelical cow. Yeah. yeah, it was really racist. Uh, the aside from Josiah, who you know grew up as these backwoods people do, Finch, Phil, and Talik, we all grew up watching Batman the Animated Series in some way. Batman the Animated Series, Batman Beyond, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, the Arkham games, all of these pieces of media kind of defined bits of our childhood. And I was raised by nerds, so I grew up watching and playing all of these. And for all of us, Batman was Kevin Conroy. He defined the voice. If you read something with Batman in it, if you hear, if you think about Batman, that's Kevin Conroy's voice. And it's very sad to say that he passed away yesterday at the age of 66 from a short battle with cancer that I believe at this point they have not said what kind of cancer. I'm going to guess pancreatic because that usually when that, when that hits, those are, that's the kind of cancer that goes quickly. So. He has unfortunately passed on, and we are now living in a world without him. That we there is not going to be a piece of Batman media that will ever have him in it, whether in a prominent way as Batman or as some minor cameos most other pieces of media have done. And I think that this is a decidedly sadder world for it. Yeah, he I absolutely a, agree. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. It's just for me, because, man... Batman the Animated Series was my childhood. Um, I would love... I, I, I loved to just come home from school and watch that every evening. Um, but he was the standard for Batman. Like, there is nobody close to Kevin Conroy. Nobody. He... And just his faceted portrayal of Batman as somebody who was, like, tortured and, yes, dark and reclusive, but also just, like, he had these moments of kindness as well. Like, that's the Batman. To be honest, that is like he defined having bat. He defined Batman's heart, his personality, his not just being a one-dimensional character that a lot of people thought of him as. And coming off of the '89 portrayal, a lot of people just saw that he's a weird, creepy guy. But 
he had made Batman this tragic figure born from the most horrific event that can happen in a child's life, who his entire mission after that point was to make sure that this would never happen again for, for anybody. It, it was, it was something that was incredibly, sorry, that was my roommate. Uh, cut that in and uh, put this back, put this in. He was an incredibly multifaceted actor. He went to Juilliard. He roomed with Robin Williams. He, well, he was an amazing stage stage performer who gave Batman the two aspects of the aspect that he showed to the world, which was Bruce Wayne, and the tragic aspect of Batman, who, despite the darkness, did care for people and ultimately wanted other people to get better. And that reflected Kevin Conroy's life. Uh, not going to go into a biography about the man, but he had a life of personal tragedy with his parents and his father and having to look after his siblings and as a gay man in the, uh, in, in the, like going through New York pre, uh, pre, um, pre Stonewall and, and then go being a gay man during the AIDS crisis informed that darkness and this, I think he, he was, he was, I think he was Catholic or Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was raised some... in a Catholic household, and I think he yeah. found and his own I'd seen way. Him crucifixes too. Yeah, I think he found a way to um, observe it kind of later in life, even as a gay man, which I I think is admirable. I'm not sure about that though. It's I, I say that only because there have been I've seen pictures of him, both like promotional pictures and pictures at cons of him wearing a crucifix. Yeah, I think he, I think I know what you're talking about. He his own life was filled with both tragedy and hope. Hope, like hope in the darkness, and despite one's personal tragedies, trying to rise above it, both for those that you love and for yourself. And I think that ultimately the world is a little dimmer without him, but he lives on through his work. And I think for all of us here and for those listening, other actors played Batman, but Kevin Conroy was Batman. Well, that was our, our nice little tribute there. Yeah. And uh, I, I think miss we, him, uh, man. think we're... We should wrap up. What do you guys think? I think so as well. Maybe we should get out of here. I'm very grateful. This was awesome. I had a blast. Thank you all for having me of on the show. I love an yeah. episode where I feel like I couldn't even get out everything I'm thinking. Like, like with the, a good episode, you feel like for the next day, like, oh, fuck, there's all this stuff because the conversation was so good. You know, there's so much good stuff here, guys. Uh, very happy with this. Um, Jackal, do you want to sign us out? Yep. All right. So we move past the overly sized election board of the city of Mammonburg. There's blood on the walls. Someone has been going around hitting the clocks with a sledgehammer, screaming, it's daylight savings time, babe. They've been lying to us. They're lying. (laughs) (laughs) They're lying. The the stick uh, guy has has started his, his routine of poking the bodies on the floor with a stick. So far... There's been twitches, so they're drunk, but we've got the dumpster in back for when we find the one who isn't. And currently, we go to our cadre of hosts to close us out for the night as we all get ready to skedaddle back and go outside as Mecha Hitler's supporters begin to firebomb uh, a... Uh, what they do... <laughs> You know, they conservatives have a real possible. Uh, conservatives recently have a real problem with children's hospitals, so it's probably one of those. Yeah, it's blowing up a children's hospital. They're 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 putting they're putting the 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 hormones in in, in, in my kids. That's what they're doing. It, it's 
Can't believe it. But I've been Jackal. You could follow me at JackalJester on Twitter.com. For how long? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, join the Mammonberg Discord until we find an alternate social media for for that. It's probably going to be Tumblr, maybe. Or Mastodon, if I ever decide to pick up... Learn what the fuck that is. Yeah, what the, the fuck, fuck that is. is. Yeah, I have, fun. We have had the special honor of having... Talik on. Talik, where can people find you? People can find me if I decide to let them follow me on twitter.com at rtaylor515. They can also follow me on Instagram if, if I let them follow me uh, at Talik Ravon. Um, they can also follow my Medium page, which is just my name. You can just look for Talik Taylor. Uh, T-A-L-I-Q-U-E-T-A-Y-L-O-R on Medium page if you want to watch, if you want to see some of my writing work. Um... Yeah, and I'm also on Facebook, but not really. Um, if you want to see more tame, family-friendly to leak stuff, uh, but Twitter is the best place to find me. And I'm always happy to meet new people. So oh, yeah. I have also been joined by Finch. Hello. Yes. If you vote for me, the pundit, I will ban daylight savings time. Uh, you can follow me at Finchawar, <laughs> and another account I will not disclose that is currently being. Uh, it's currently making a bunch of fascists very mad, so... Hey, that, that's uh, good. There's that. <laughs> I've also been joined by Josiah. Josiah? Yeah. Yeah, that's, it's me. I'm the, I'm the what? I'm the wonk talking about the mayoral race. And what is this? I'm getting the results in, in an unexpected turn. A third party has won. That's right. Uh, the, the governor candidate for Iowa, Rick Stewart, has arrived in Mammonburg and has won... <laughs> A complete <laughs> landslide. Uh, people are walking around Mammonburg shouting, Do you think you're smarter than God? Why do you think you're smarter than God? Mayor girl boss? <laughs> do you think you're smarter than God, <laughs> Mecca Hitler? <laughs> I Things are about to get our, weird. Our weird, <laughs> our weird Midwestern bald guy. I think that he's going to do some great things. He's going to do some... Uh, some great things and some awful things. It's uh, it's going to be a strange time in Mammonburg. Yep, Mayor Rick Stewart. And uh, and yes, and you can follow me at Josiah W. Sutton on Twitter. Um, and yeah, join the Mammonburg Discord if uh, things cave in, because I'm out. I'm always I'm pretty active in the Mammonburg Discord, and uh, you know I like talking to you folks. And I have also been joined by our um conservative pundit for time. Uh, <laughs> I think that. He's run out of amphetamines, so I think he's okay to talk now. Uh, Philip. I regret to inform everybody that this is, that the, the Mike Grillo guy is dead. Um, oh, he died? Shit. He, he fell into his own Mike Grillo and was torched to death. What a uh, tragedy. In between the proceedings. Oh. Uh, this is normal non-Grillo. I'm his son. Uh, I don't like my father very much, and uh, I think his corpse will make a very tasty meal for everybody participating. Oh God, Ted Cruz! You know, in in the event right now, you know, I think Ted <laughs> Cruz will be satisfied. He's got enough hair to eat. He's got enough ligaments to suck on. That's what he needs. You know, a growing boy needs his lunch. If you know what I'm ne saying, needs his needs his bone marrow. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, this Before is, you uh, end, Phil, can you say, give me, I want your bone marrow in a Ted Cruz voice, please? I want your bone marrow. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> the future soundboard will have that on it. <laughs> <laughs>
I want your bone marrow. Phil, where can they find you? Yeah, where, where, where do they follow you, Phil? You can find me at Cryptid Director on Twitter. Uh, I accidentally changed my name. You, This was not an accident. You did not accidentally. Okay, don't okay. you dare try to back out like that. So I, I did it on purpose for a bit, but now I can't change it back because of stupid Twitter law. So I have to wait until the $8 runs out. But I, I have to wait a month before I can change He's, it back. He gave dollars. He gave eight dollars to Elon Musk just to be the the official me. That's what he did. Wow, wow, guys! And, you know, and now even though he's changed his uh, picture, he is still currently Josiah. His username is still that. So. Yeah, everything Tell about my account Josiah's. has changed back to normal except for the Josiah part. Yes, Incredible but his stuff. He, you can follow him at Cryptid Director on Twitter. But I encourage all of you, if you have not joined the Discord, do it because God knows how long this dumpster fire of a social media website is going to last mm-hmm. and with that everybody that's get the show here. get the fuck out get of here go out here. now Bye. we love you God bless hell yeah kevin conroy the longtime voice of batman has died Conroy voiced the Cape Crusader in Batman, the animated series from 1992 to 1996. In total, Conroy brought Batman to life in more than 60 projects. His representative confirmed that he died yesterday after a short battle with cancer. Kevin Conroy was 66. The blood of black people is crying out to God and to whites from the ground in the United States of America. The blood of Sandra